0: And welcome to Season 2, Episode 1 of A Republic to Keep. I'm your host, Liam Bauer, and thank you for tuning in. To say a lot has occurred this past summer would be quite an understatement. The bipartisan infrastructure bill, the United States withdrawal from Afghanistan, and the Delta variant surge across the United States are just a few of the events that have rocked the news in these past months. This, of course, leaves us with many topics to discuss for Season 2. The topic today is the U.S.-Mexico border. But before we get started, let's go around for some introductions. Brian?
1: Hi, I'm Brian. I am a third year at Marquette Law School.
0: Thank you, Brian. And Tommy?
1: Hi, everyone. My name's Tommy. Uh, I'm a sophomore here at Marquette.
0: Thank you. And Miranda? Hey,
2: everyone. I'm Miranda, and I'm a senior at Marquette. Thank you all for being here today.
0: Also, if you Listeners like our show or would like to listen to our past shows from season one. you can follow us on Spotify Cot Podcasts under the title "A Republic to Keep." Also, follow us on Twitter at Republic Number Two Keep to get updates and info about our future shows. Over the last several weeks, the Acuña del Rio Bridge on the u s Mexico border saw a rapid rise of Haitian citizens attempting to cross the border into the United States. A low-traffic area just months ago, the number of Haitian migrants at the bridge ballooned to an estimated 15,000 last Sunday, September 19th. On Friday, DHS reported that the Cuña del Rio Bridge was cleared of migrants. Approximately 2,000 Haitian nationals have been taken back to Haiti. 12,400 of those migrants have been sent to the United States immigration centers where they await a hearing, and an estimated 8,000 more migrants have gone back to Mexico. In the past week, the Biden administration has faced criticism from a variety of political actors. Many Democrats and human rights organizations criticize the blanket expulsions, inhumane conditions, and rejection of asylum seekers. They argue that the administration must process all asylum claims at the border and that the dire economic and political conditions in Haiti and South America are fueling this spike in immigration. The U.S. Special Envoy to Haiti, Daniel Foote, resigned from his position on Wednesday, September 22nd, due to his disapproval of the deportations back to Haiti and past U.S. interference in Haitian political affairs, which he says has contributing to the current crisis. Many Republicans have criticized the Biden administration for sending out confusing messages that have encouraged migrants to come to the border, as well as not having a strong stance on immigration policy. The governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, sent thousands of National Guard troops to assist CBP officials and established a line of public safety vehicles for several miles along the border near Del Rio, Texas. The Biden administration is still using Title 42, of the 1944 Public Health and Safety Act to expel many of the migrants immediately without accepting asylum claims. The policy was started under the Trump administration in March of 2020, who asserted the ability to expel migrants immediately was necessary to stop the spread of the coronavirus. Alongside the current situation under the Acuna del Rio Bridge, the United States is experiencing its largest increase in apprehensions at the U.S.-Mexico border in 21 years. In August... Just over 208,000 apprehensions occurred, a number not seen since March of 2000, when 220,000 apprehensions occurred. So, to open up the discussion to the panel, what would you say are the central causes of the current increase in migrant apprehensions both at Acuna del Rio and along the entire U.S.-Mexico border?
3: that's a great question um yeah i don't i don't have like you know a scientific answer i don't have a a well-thought-out answer i can only think that covid is um you know exacerbating all this stuff um obviously haiti's got a lot going on right now um they had an assassination they have a hurricane that recently happened so i can only point to that kind of stuff um I also read something that Mexico, I'm just going to, you know, throw this in here, that Mexico, um, the U.S.-Mexico border has more Mexican nationals than usual, like a, a higher percentage, let's say, um, than typically, uh, because uh, we see a lot from, um, was it, the, the Northern, Northern Triangle?
0: Northern Triangle. El Salvador, Honduras, and Guatemala, Not, and, sorry, El Salvador, Honduras, and Nicaragua. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, And the the percentage has been changing where we have less now from the Northern Triangle and more from um, Mexico national, Mexican nationals that are coming to the U.S.-Mexico border. So um, I don't exactly know what the causes are, but I think that's an interesting kind of little tidbit that I saw today.
0: Thank you.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've seen even in America heightened periods of inequality with this pandemic. So even here, things are not going great. So you go to countries where things have historically for the last like 50 years been going very poorly, we're going to see increased periods of turbulence. So like in Haiti, you pointed out, Brian pointed out, that we had an assassination, we had the earthquake. They always are having environmental disasters. Meanwhile, in the other side of Hispaniola, we also have the Dominican Republic, who has been actively trying to kick out immigrants from their country. So throughout Latin America, throughout the Caribbean, we're seeing periods of migration, even to like Haitians. They're going to Chile and they're not being accepted there. This nativism is throughout the continent and they're pushing these immigrants. They're making them make their way north because Chile's economy isn't as strong as the US. If they're gonna face racism, they might as well face it in a stronger economy.
0: And there is, throughout the South American continent, there has been a much larger, um, COVID has hit the economies much more, and the economies have had a much harder time, at least unemployment rise coming back. And unemployment in all of South America, Caribbean countries combined, if you look at the average unemployment rates, it was about 6.2% in 2014. That has gradually risen since then. And by 2021, this year, it's been 11.1%. So, and that's up from last year of 10.3% in 2020. So we're seeing a pretty bad economic situation throughout the entirety of South America. And also, there is some nativism going on, some more strict um, requirements for immigration, like Chile is clamping down on the amount it is accepting through visas, for instance. And there's a debate about that, too. So is that really um, nativism sentiment, or is that them trying to protect their own citizens in a labor market that is really having trouble coming back?
1: Well, I'm not too certain about Chile specifically, but we know that immigrants often provide some of the best we can see in people. They provide more to the economy, and they take less out of it through like social welfare programs so bringing in less immigrants doesn't seem to be benefiting them i mean in america here we've seen populations of immigrants help cities like dayton in ohio and utica in new york really like boost them since they've been destroyed by white flight and the periods of uh like the china shock in the 2000s like those uh those periods of time destroyed these cities but these new immigrant communities are helping to bring back the city and bring some life into it. So by not bringing immigrants in, they're doing nothing but keeping viable workers out of their countries.
0: Okay.
3: Yeah. That's a good point. Um and we see that even right here in Milwaukee where we have, you know, a very vibrant community of um immigrants right here in Milwaukee that contribute to uh, the greater population you could say greater community um yeah yeah i think that um what you brought up liam about um covid and the economy is a big thing and um, i think this is something we should you know save for later in the the conversation um but how that plays into you know people coming to the border that might be a cause for why people are coming to the border but as for what is going on when they get here and, you know, whether they can apply for asylum, whether they it be turned away um, and all that. Um, unfortunately, that gets really messy when you um, have COVID and the economy as a reason. Because I, as for what I know and my limited knowledge, I don't think that, um, you know, uh, unemployment rates is something that you can write on your application for asylum right now. So
0: No, and asylum is very, very restricted as well. Uh, in terms of who can apply, and even more so, and who gets accepted. Since this asylum, you can't just say, even though there's violence in my country, you have to be part of a certain political group, or race, religion, or national origin status, and fit in that group, and also be actively be per- being persecuted because of one of those statuses. So there's, it's a pretty high bar to get that asylum uh, that many seek in the United States. And going back to the, I guess, the causes of this current rapid rise in immigration that we're seeing at the border. So is this really a COVID thing? Because there's also a lot, particularly of conservative uh, pundits and politicians, who are saying that it's really the rhetoric of the Biden administration. They're not sending a clear message out. And back actually in May, at the end of May, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas granted an 18-month temporary protective status to all Haitians, currently residing in the United States at that time. Uh, This is, many say that that announcement itself has encouraged a lot more migration, seeing that the administration is more friendly and more accepting of people perhaps crossing the border.
3: Hmm.
1: Yeah, I think we're definitely seeing a bit of a divergence from the Biden administration's policy and their rhetoric. Because we had Kamala Harris go down uh, I think to the Mexico border, or maybe she's in Guatemala, I can't remember, but she literally told them, do not come. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then we see through their policies, they are far more pro-immigration than like Trump was, or the like average Republican would be. So it's this weird idea that they're like trying to not have our borders be a beacon for all of South America to come and like, try and claim asylum, or try and come into the country through whatever way, but they're also trying to actively bring in more immigrants. So it's this weird hypocrisy that they haven't even figured out yet. I think
0: mm-hmm. I almost and I've, I've seen this a lot of criticism of Biden administration for immigration in particular at this point, mm. because when you look at sp- especially the asylum case seekers that they, we are letting in so far this year, we're on pace to actually be below the Trump administration's lowest year for asylum um, acceptances, mm. about just under 7000 right now, Trump's Cap and his lowest year of 2020 was 15,000. Mm. So we're on pace to match that. We are still using Article, sorry, Title 42, which allows the immediate expulsion. And many um, top health advisors have said that we should drop Title 42. That is not really what the law has been for in the past. And this is an unprecedented use of it. Mm-hmm. So is is the Biden administration really talking at both sides of its mouth here? Is or is there should there be I guess a more set thing that the Biden administration is doing, because there seems to be a little bit of a divergence from that rhetoric and that from that actual policy.
3: Yeah. So I just want to be clear. So um, for all the listeners, that Title 42 is the the law that says um, for uh, public health, you can, you know, public health reasons, you can expel um, people that come to the border. Is
0: that correct? Yeah. So Title 42 is 19 from the 1944 Public Health and Safety Act. Yeah. And it allows the Surgeon General, in accordance with regulations approved by the president, to prohibit individuals or property from other nations should the nations they are coming from have communicable diseases, Mm -hmm. in this case, COVID, that could endanger the United States and U.S. citizens. Mm -hmm. Um, So the U.S. so under the Trump administration originally, Uh, which the law has never been done to do this before. But then again, COVID is an unprecedented circumstance. Mm -hmm. But the Trump administration in March of 2020 used Title 42 to automatically expel migrants that were coming in. First, it was pretty much across the board. Then there were legal um, challenges, especially with undocumented uh, migrant children. So that was let go. Now it's been opened up more so to be on shaky ground about families.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, based on, you know, my knowledge of <laughs> immigration law and asylum law, um, don't immigrants need to um, be given a hearing when they apply for asylum or they come to the border and say, hey, I'd like to apply for asylum. It's their right to do so. Um, hearings are typically required or um, a right. Yes. A by right.
0: By U.S. and international law which U.S. has incorporated into its domestic laws. Yeah. They All immigrants that come into the United States, whether it be through legal or illegal undocumented processes, must be given a hearing. That is law, except this is the exception because of the change in circumstances. The administration is claiming these change in circumstances, this communicable disease, is um, grounds for enacting Title 42 at this time. Mm. So without Title 42, yes, they have to give them a hearing, and everybody has to be processed. Mm-hmm. And a big debate recently about that was the in mexico policy established by the Trump administration that, put, uh, that mandated that waiting for your asylum hearing or hearing to get access into the United States, they would remain in Mexico and then be called mm. to the border and usually have a judge um, zoomed in.
3: So we're using... Mexico is our waiting room, in a way?
0: Yes, for a while. And then the Biden administration actually recently tried to end that. However, the Supreme Court said that they did not give a good enough reason for changing that policy. And there was a very similar ruling to how Trump could not unilaterally end the DACA Mm. program because they did not give a sufficient reason to end that program. Okay.
1: I did hear, though, that Mexico, uh, their uh, legislature passed a law where they said that they will not be like aiding in this in any way Mm -hmm. so basically it's just this like two people looking at each other right now (laughs) waiting for one of them to blink
3: that's what it sounds like i mean what's the you know what's what's stopping the the mexican government from saying we have a you know remain in america law or something like that like no like you don't get to you don't get to stay here if you're the yeah. thing is,
0: there's not many um, people seeking asylum from the United States to Mexico. No, so. I,
3: but like, like, like basically what he's saying is like, we're just looking at each other. We're saying, hey, you know, no, you you take this. No, you take this. You know, neither wants to take responsibility. But yet there's still a bunch of people backed up on this border. Um, I think this is a good point to kind of explain different difference between apprehension and expulsion mm-hmm. because um, I think the remain in Mexico policy kind of confuses it for me, at least um, like um, Biden. I heard that the Biden policy was largely uh, expulsion under Title 42, naturally, you know. Um, but now is it true that we've uh, increased
0: apprehensions?
3: Um,
0: well, the, also apprehensions doesn't mean each. and So let's say there are 10,000 people trying to get into the United States between yeah. points of entry. Yeah. Uh, which means you're not going through the process. You're not going through the legal routes. You're trying to enter the border illegally. Yeah. Um, so if you're going between points of entry, and the C uh, Customs and Border Patrol agents uh, find you and then send you back, turn you around, for instance. Okay. That's an apprehension. Okay. Now, if I do that twice, that counts as two apprehensions. Me personally. So it's not. Okay. It doesn't. A t- hundred thousand apprehensions doesn't mean necessarily a hundred thousand individuals. Most often means less individuals than that, but because there are repeat yeah. um, instances of the same individual. Especially right now, they're, they're of that uh, migrant camp that was under the Cunha del Rio Bridge, roughly uh, an estimated 8,000 Haitian and other um, migrants went back into Mexico. Mm-hmm. So it's very likely that many of those uh, migrants will try again at another point of entry yeah and another reason why it was mostly haitians from uh what i've collected from a variety of news sources is that they were getting messages from other relatives and other haitians that the border at this point was low trafficked, which it was and that they could more easily get through the Cunha del rio uh bridge and thereabouts yeah yeah so that there, there was really this build-up that was Kind of a telephone, um, of messaging yeah. through the Haitian migrant community, and that's why you see a, a very large cluster Haitians there yeah. too.
3: You tell everybody that there's a sale of Best Buy for iPhone 12s, and then everyone's going to show up at Best Buy for an iPhone 12. Um, so unless you're an Android, unless you? You, know, well, <laughs> you know, we don't talk to them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> interesting, very interesting. um Because I thought that, I mean, my understanding, and I. I'm, now I know what's wrong. Um, was that apprehensions were more of a, you know, we're gonna take you, we're gonna keep you in here instead of just turn you away right away, um, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, okay, so good, good to know. Thank you.
0: All right. So and there's the Biden administration has do, has used Title forty two less than the Trump administration. Um, well, it has, of course, used it in more recent times for, sorry, I'm just looking some up for it has used it more in more recent times. The, let me see here, but the apprehensions, for instance, an expulsion ratio where they just see them and apprehend them or expelled immediately has gone down drastically. In May of 2020, there was 70%, 7% were taken in and 93% were expelled immediately. And today, well, sorry, in July of 2021, 53% were apprehended and taken in, and then 47% were expelled. Mm. So there has been a drastic decrease of unilateral use of Title 42 Mm -hmm. under the Biden administration, but they are still keeping that policy um, and getting some heat from it, particularly from the Democrats and from human rights organizations. So I guess to move on to our second question of the show— Should the Biden administration continue to use Title 42 of the Public Health Service Act of 1944 to expel migrants? Is there a better way to deal with the increase of migrants, given the current public health situation?
3: That's a tough question.
0: (laughs) We only ask the tough ones here, Brian. Yeah. Hmm.
1: Well, I think that just like purely on an immigration level, it's not a very effective policy because as you were just talking about, like, two minutes ago, when a migrant comes and they're sent back, they're just going to try again. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. whether you're on the right or left, like they're either going to be so bad, they're desperate to get in the country or they're either going to be so desperate, they're going to try again to get in the country. Mm -hmm. So this level of recidivism that we're seeing Mm -hmm. is like so high that like it's going to stretch our border too thin. And there's just other things we can be doing to help identify this and just adding support systems to our border.
0: Yeah. Well, that, that reason also is there's been now over 2,000. It Just it looking at Acuna del Rio, mm-hmm. there's been over 2,000 Asian migrants sent back via plane to Haiti, which, of course, mm-hmm. that's going to be uh, much harder to come back and try to cross the border again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, of course, that policy has made Daniel Foote, the U.S. envoy, resign and been pretty unpopular, especially among the Democrat Party, uh, given the current situation in Haiti. So what... Would it be best, for instance, to end this policy right now and then try to, I guess, get a, get the claims of asylum all processed? Do we have the capacity for that, or is there another way? Um, Miranda, what do you what do you believe about Title Forty Two?
2: Um, honestly, I mean, this is a really hard question. Like the point that Tommy made about like people just coming back, like I totally agree. It's I mean, it's definitely not the best way to handle it, but I I don't know what else you do. I mean, and I don't, I feel like maybe it's getting better now that we're kind of sort of more or less at the tail end of the pandemic that maybe our resources aren't spread as thin and maybe we don't have to use it as much. And we're able to process all these migrants coming through, but until that point, and I don't know if we're at that point, I'm not, I'm not sure what else you do. I mean, yeah. You can't just let her, you can't just let everybody in and expect that, it's, that that's not going to cause other problems too. So yeah. So how, is there is there a
0: better way then during then Title Forty Two because given the current public health crisis and are we going to be able to use that other way?
3: Well, if it's a if it's a public health, um, you know, if that's the thing that's holding us back from getting rid of title 42 is what i'm understanding then like how can you address the public health situation um is it you know is it a good investment to try and see if we can do some sort of health screening is that being done you would know more about that liam
0: yeah that is being done with the migrants coming in okay they're, try- well, they're trying to do all they can usually okay so. yeah okay so like and there are there's very limited exceptions to Title 42. There are very few and bar between. For instance, if I have a heart attack, they can't expel me using Title 42. Then they have to treat me first. It's like going to the ER in the United States. No matter who you are, what money you have, they have to treat you there. Okay. Um, and also because of international conventions, if someone has very clearly, if someone has been tortured or mm. is subject to torture, then they also cannot use Title 42 for that mm. person. But these are, of course, those are very few instances so yeah. title 42 can be used in almost all
3: so well that actually leads me to another question is how are they using title 42 is it is it like you know i see all this group of people and i'm just going to say hey title 42 all of you leave or is it more of like do they do the screening and say hey you have symptoms and i'm going to use title 42 to get rid of you or what's the you know on the ground i'm not here? Spe-
0: i'm not sure on the specifics on how yeah. they are processing i know i it does seem that the Biden administration is doing it less than the Trump administration. And if I were to guess, it would seem like the Trump administration was doing it um, more without processing, but it doesn't seem like a lot of the families from the interviews uh, of the Haitians who are back in Haiti, it does not seem like they had a very uh, clear process to getting some kind of asylum claim. It seems like they were pretty fastly expelled. Mm-hmm. And when you have that in less than a week, they were sent back to Haiti, yeah, so it's it's pretty clear that there was not a huge thorough um process for them yeah. screening, yeah, yeah, screening for
3: them and I mean, what I've read on this topic is pretty much like the pushback for title forty two is that you know these migrants are not given hearings, so if I see that, I'm just automatically gonna think that it's more of the the former of what I was talking about where you know, you look at this group and you're like, Hey, Title Forty Two, we gotta get rid of you, you know. That um, rhymes. Yeah. <laughs> Put that on a shirt. No, <laughs> please, please don't, please don't.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not gonna support that. Yeah, no. <laughs>
3: um
0: and I agree with what Tommy
3: was saying, you know. Um you have this I like the word recidivism, um, if I said that correctly. You did. I was working in a place, um and we were working with immigrants and I'm just gonna, you know, confidentiality there but um we had a client that came and i was looking at his, his file and he had flown in on a plane from mexico to the texas border and then he was turned no not texas border i think it was wisconsin and then he was turned around right away and within 24 hours he flew back a second time and the second time he got in first time he was sent back second time he got in so i mean if you have people doing stuff like that i mean the desperation is real there. You know, they want to be here. They need to be here, at least whether you believe in that or not. You know, whether you have the, the view of, hey, we got to fix the country or we got to, you know, they, they don't have valid reasons or whatever you want. There are people on all sorts of angles on this. Um, He did that, you know, he did that. So what are you going to do in response to people who are doing that kind of stuff? And I, I like what Tommy said. It's like we should focus on other things that we have to do in domestic politics, in international politics, in all this stuff. But, like, this is a pretty real issue. You know, we have hundreds of thousands of people that are being apprehended at the border. Um, And I don't know. I have no idea what to do. That's why I'm not the president of the United States. I guess that's a good thing. (laughs) I
0: don't know if anybody has necessarily the answer.
3: I mean... It is disheartening in a way. I mean, I do like Joe Biden, but it is disheartening to see him say in a campaign, we want to, you know, we criticize Donald Trump and in his, you know, use of, um, I don't know if he criticized the use of Title 42, but I know he criticized like, we got to have more, a lot more migrants because people need to come here. They want to come here. They, um, and then you turn around and you kind of, in my eyes, do nothing about it. You know, you just continue the policy. Be, I know you said there are less than Donald Trump. There's but less.
0: But to be perfectly honest, when you look at the just the numbers here, there's not too many more visa applications going through, which were a abys- biz. They, they reached very low levels under the Trump administration in 2020. Um, but for instance, just to give you some numbers, visas approved. and These visas I'm looking at here are more permanent resident visas okay. or long term work visas. So not, I want to go to Disney World with my family, yeah, which yeah. you need a visa to do, too. Yeah. Um, but those are B-2 and B-1 visas. Yeah. Um, but these visas, for everything else, was about 617000 in 2016 that were approved fiscal year 2016, which is October to um, September. And then 2017, we have 559000 2018, $533,000. Uh, 2019, 644000 and then 2020, you hit 240,000. So you, you cut the number in 2019 almost in half in 2020 for those visa applications being I mean, logged through. And in, in 2021, so far, there's been about 205,000 visas approved this year. So the
3: number's unchanged? I forgot what the 200. The
0: 240 in thousand oh, okay. in the fiscal year 2020. So even less. So saying. even less right now. And this is 20 fiscal year 2020 was all under the Trump administration yeah. and 2021 was mostly under the Biden administration.
3: I mean, that's when you see that kind of a trend. It's, I feel like it's obviously covid, but
0: yes, but there's also I guess go, this goes into the third question. But there's also a labor shortage in the United States right now, yeah. too. And yet we don't have we're not putting out the visa. I mean, it has gotten better this year in October of 2020 when the fis- this fiscal year started. We had 8 uh 8,687 visas approved. By July, we had 40,000. Yeah. So the, the, it has gone drastically up, but it seems like there's room for improvement there. Well, room for more visas if that we want to go that route. Yeah. We've it's- also cat there's also been a cap of 62,500 when uh for Bi- under Biden when he Announced 125,000, he wanted to increase it to, for the for uh, visa for sorry for uh, refugees, yeah. But we've we've only allowed in about 7,637, and we're on track to be less than the 5,000 uh, that sorry 15,000 that Donald Trump set a cap on in 2020. Yeah. So it, it does not seem like the the rhetoric's definitely changed. Yes, and That's maybe the, some policies uh, especially with Mallorca's extending temporary protective status for Haitians back mm-hmm. in May for 18 months but uh, look looking going at the big general picture if i'm if i'm like you know the main and a an, uh, moderate voter for instance or unaligned on a line voter and i'm looking at this more of an objective stance i'm wondering especially on the pictures i'm seeing on the news i'm wondering what is the difference between these two administrations yeah. So can we Well, what, what should Biden do then if he wants to set himself apart?
1: Yeah. Well, I think we have a big issue here, um, like going back to the prior discussion about like Title 42, do we bring them in or do we expel them using that rule? I mean, it's hard for us to say in a pandemic, that we should be bringing people into the country mm-hmm. considering the photos of detention centers that I've seen. Yeah. I mean under Trump administration versus under Biden administration, I have not seen the changes I have wanted to see. Yeah. So, I mean like how can we morally and ethically bring people into this country and make them wait in these centers? Yeah. I don't know, but how can we also send them back to Mexico or Haiti? I mean, Mexico last summer we saw like the femicide. Like yeah. that was on everyone's instagram story like it was a horrible horrible thing and i think everyone just kind of forgot about it and then in haiti we're seeing major political conflicts i mean their prime minister is in a like a civil case right now because he might have been the one that assassinated the president <laughs> oh like God. this is out of a movie like
3: <laughs> it is
1: <laughs> so i don't know what the right answer is here but it it's clear to me that we're not doing what our human standards should be
3: yeah yeah,
1: and I think it is easy for us in like
3: Wisconsin or us on the inside of the United States to just kind of forget about it, you know. Mm-hmm. Like you said, like everyone puts it on their Instagram story, and I'm mm-hmm. a huge advocate for <laughs> that kind of stuff. I think that I used to think it was annoying when people put stuff on their Twitter and Instagram, but I I think nowadays it gets people talking. You know, it really does. I've I've had conversations with people based on things that I put on my Instagram story. So I mean, I'm just gonna throw that out there, but <laughs> but um. But I, I think that you're right, you know, like it does just get forgotten about. It is a lot of stuff where people are like, hey, you know, I'll be part of the crowd, put up Instagram and then forget about it. But that's not what we're talking about today. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to get on my soapbox for a second. <laughs> but you're right. It's tough. And it's tough to like get everybody on the same page because, I mean, even if you can get everybody on board where they, like we got to do something about this, then, I mean, COVID really messes it up. Because this whole public health thing... I mean, that's that's something that I'm even on the fence about. is like, you're right. We have to let... I, my my initial response, if we had no COVID, and this was like, you know, we had a lot of apprehensions at the border. I'm one person to say, hey, you no, know, like, we need to have more hearings. We have to invest more into, you know, um, administrative law just, uh, judges and things like that to help with this infrastructure of letting um, um, people who are seeking asylum in. But now... I mean i'm even on the fence where it's like well you're right we have COVID, and how can you have have the american people's stomach letting a bunch of people in where you know maybe it's just going to you know let just all this disease in is what i think the argument is especially what i've seen on the on the conservative side mm-hmm. um i'm much more on the side of um we need to invest more into the process and figure out a more streamlined way to Screen people, get them hearings, and let them in. But, um, but yeah, it's a tough one.
0: I mean, one uh, now we're I guess we move it on to the solution part. What 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 changes can we make to the general immigration system, um, or perhaps a new law, a new immigration and nationality act, like that hasn't been made since 1965. Yeah. So, like a real overhaul in immigration. What could what could be in that bill, the omnibus bill, in that st- scenario? So, I mean, what I'm seeing, though, in the U.S., just to put out an idea, is we have, and this comes from the uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics, Department of Labor, and uh, their analysis came out at the beginning of this month, September. Uh, So we have 10.9 million open jobs estimated in this country right now, and we have 8.4 million actively on unemployment, the U3 standard. So this is people actively looking for work. So with well, what I'm seeing here, and then we have uh, almost a record low in visa exceptions, and my question is, what are we doing about that? It's, yeah. It seems to me that shouldn't we be ramping up our capacity to give out more visas? And I think we all, just on a practical standpoint, I mean, we're really tr- hurting. Like I, I worked in a restaurant this past summer, and we were always hurting to get more. Workers, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you have you see this in all kinds of supply chains. This sky- car, the prices of meat right now are skyrocketing, yeah. and it's it's not because there's a shortage of cows anymore or sorry chickens. No, the chickens aren't on strike. It's that people aren't <laughs> filling these roles.
3: I did see something about a chicken strike. Mm-hmm. Send me that
0: later. But <laughs> anyway, the thing is, when we don't have this we're enough people to fill these jobs, and we have a really high demand of people who want to come into this country. Vast majority who really want to work. Yeah, I mean, the, the I I see there's there's definitely a solution there that just needs to be taken care of when we put the time and capacity into it too. Yeah. So what were you think about expansion of that those visas, or allowing more, maybe even an expedited process, to allow at least temporary um, work visas for more of these Haitians and South and Latin Americans. I think it would swing back around to
3: the... Like, I agree. I mm. think that would be an amazing policy. Um, I would advocate for that myself. But I think it would definitely swing back around to the public health situation. Mm. And I'm curious for, you know, you have obviously thought out, thought this out. What would you say to that? You know, like, yes, we should do this, but are you just going to be like... Well, when you look COVID? at
0: Title 42 right now, I mean, what's what nation has been arguably hit the worst by covid and has probably the worst case counts and death counts
3: dude i don't know china
0: <laughs> it's one we're in probably i know. I think a lot of people would say it's the u.s so i mean when i don't see much of an argument there and i think when you look at that make sure that we're also getting if, if we also look at the ability of vaccinations which we are pledging a lot more vaccinations to go out to other countries, especially now that the FDA has ruled that, well, not ruled, but made the suggestion that will almost assuredly be added upon that boosters don't go out to people unless you're 65 or older or have pre-existing conditions. So that's going to open up supply a lot for us to give to nations in South and Central America. And if we do that, maybe then economies can really start turning wheels again in all those countries and one relieve the amount of people who would want to come and who would need to come to the U.S. Mm. And all because if you people who are coming at the border, it does not seem to me that you make that very perilous journey, which you are subjugated to be violently assaulted or killed or used as a drug mule, unless you are desperate beyond belief yeah. and need that. Yeah. So it, there, there is definitely. A crisis scenario happening throughout Latin America, especially in Haiti, who's just been not having a great summer, to say the least. Oh, my God. So when you look at that, I would say that the United States does have a duty to its neighbors, but also to itself, because we're dealing with these crises, whether we like it or not. So if we don't make sure that vaccinations are going out to these Latin American countries— then we're really setting ourselves up for border crisis after border crisis, just like this one, if not worse, because we're, this isn't going down. This isn't, this, I hate, I have to say, we're likely almost assuredly going to see a peak over 2000 levels. Mm. So highest ever.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's hard to argue to let more immigrants in, Especially because there are so many people unemployed right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, Trump back in 2016 got elected because he said the immigrants are taking your jobs. Yeah. So if we're letting in more immigrants, like I could see why the Biden Harris administration would not want to let more immigrants mm-hmm. in because that's just an instant like attack ad. And that's not why we should be making our decisions, but I can see why they wouldn't. Mm-hmm. I think that it's more important that we bring these immigrants in though. Because we will see economic growth, which would hopefully like spin off and create more jobs, more jobs that Americans would want to take, more jobs that would like allow people to have the funding to pay for higher education and to like have that decent quality of life that we're all hoping that this administration will deliver.:
3: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think as well, said. Very. Nice. Miranda, Thank do you yeah. have
0: any um, <laughs> thoughts on possible solutions or changes?
2: Um, yeah, so I'm not contributing a whole bunch. I, I mean, you guys are honestly saying everything out of my mouth. Like, it's just a, it's a complicated situation. I mean, I, I tend to be more of a fiscally, of more fiscal conservative. So those those things of like investing more money and fixing certain problems is always like, you have that slight hesitation. But there is a, but I agree that especially with a situation like this, like you just have, you just those are things you just have to do, and. I mean I, I mean, I want more legal immigration. I want it to be easier for people to come here legally for all the reasons that you guys have been saying that, for, that immigrants are good for our country because they are. It's just, I don't know, just how do you... It's just doing it. And I I don't. I honestly don't understand what the hesitation is with just fixing the problem. I mean, I don't think this... Maybe this pandemic is... I feel like it's kind of being used as an excuse to not solve this problem the way it should be solved. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there are definitely concerns, but... i don't don't know i don't i feel like it's more of an excuse than anything else i feel like this it shouldn't be the reason that we aren't fixing this problem at the same time i don't know but then there's also like the only thing i can think of with this conversation is this balance of like we want to let people in but there's i mean the world sucks like there's no (laughs) getting around that and we just can't help everybody and like how we just have to make like how do we strike that balance of giving those people who really need the help and who deserve to be here letting them come without just people taking advantage of us either and that's my concern but again i don't know the answers to everything this is a super complicated question we we want to help people but on other things there's just some things that we can't solve either too
1: yeah i mean i feel like in my heart it's hard for me to turn away like any immigrants because if you remember like i don't know it was like 2018 when there's the Venezuela crisis. Mm -hmm. Like there's like the two political leaders, I can't remember either of their names right now, but like, it was like, is there gonna be a civil war? Is America going to war? Like there's this whole crisis. Mm -hmm. We had a kid that played on my school's baseball team and like was very active in our community who was brought in because he had humanitarian need, like his family was threatened. Mm -hmm. So I see cases like that and it instantly just appeals to me. And so I do wanna help everyone. But obviously, that is not realistic. America has 300 million people or so in it. 322. There's another 700, like 7 billion out there. Like, we can't take them all in. Yeah. But um, I do think that there are good programs that like the UN is trying to champion where, hey, you can bring in people, try to get them started. And then maybe we can find a better home for them, a more suitable home in Spain or in Germany or like there's different cities across the world. Because all we're trying to do is find these pe- pe- people a place where they can be a- safe and have a decent life.
0: Mm-hmm. We also have a neighbor, all right, on top of us. Yeah, Canada, mm-hmm. Greenland. I do. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, why not? It might be a little cold. I don't know. I, I feel like if you're going to put someone from South America in a cold place like Greenland, that that almost <laughs> makes situation work sometimes.
1: Maybe they'd go back. Yeah, that's true. Greenland's
3: so cold, and that's uh, that's why we don't have climate change, Liam. I don't know if you knew that, but um, I heard that from our Senator Ron Johnson, so... Oh, It must be correct.
0: Good. That's for a different time. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, back to the border. Um, <laughs> it seems also like... And I, I'm really glad, Tommy, that you brought that up, because when we see... When you look at immigration, mm-hmm. there's always, like... It, well, really, any issue. There's a the human cost to that issue, and then there's statistical things, too. and I And I'm... As you can tell, I, I really like looking at numbers and the facts, and that gives a good mm-hmm. overall picture. And that gets a lot of like policy nerds and policy wonks, like me, kind of interested in it and kind of seeing it. But when you're talking to the average citizen, what really I've seen turns people's, mind, uh, turns people's opinions the other way or t- changes people's minds is that hard-hitting, personalized story of mm-hmm. if you see that mother holding their baby, and they come right up to you and look you in the eyes, that's going to hit a lot harder than telling you, well, there's, I don't know, 30,000 families at the border that are starving and trying to get in. That's not going to really materialize into you. But when you look at the like that story of that one person on the news, mm-hmm. then you see the tragedy. It's like there's people that unfortunately get abused and killed by in domestic violence all the time, but that one woman in Wyoming, who the name escapes me right now, Gabby, was just killed by her boyfriend. And this has been all over the news, this one person. But this happens, unfortunately, much more often than we like to admit in the U.S. and all across the world. But we're seeing that one person, and we're seeing her story and her family, and therefore we see the tragedy. So we have to look at both statistics and the personal if we're really going to Get the whole picture of something and really see the effects too
1: I yeah hmm.
0: and with that we do we have any uh, do we have any closing remarks from our panel
3: I don't know that was uh that was a great little uh little... Beginning to the closer, right there, Liam. We need we need policy wonk nerds like you. So,
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> doing God's
3: work. I love doing
2: that God. This was quite the topic to start season two on.
1: Oh, so. that's true. Oh boy,
3: this is kind of like a little update, to be honest, because we did do um, border crisis last last season too. That's
0: true. That's true.
3: It's okay. a nice little segue to
0: go check out our go check out our Spotify, yeah. everybody. A hey, republic to keep. Hey, republic to keep. <laughs> Anything from you, Tommy?
1: No, I think uh, we've brought up all the problems and our lack of solutions already. So <laughs> I, think, I think the lack of solutions really speaks to, you know, the need for a solution, though, just because
3: yeah. it's like we do have all these problems, but it's kind of just a messed up world, like Miranda
1: said, highlights the neglect. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All
0: right. see. Anything from you, Miranda? I don't think
2: so. Thanks for having me again. This is a lot of fun every time. Well, thank you for
0: joining in. And thank you, Tommy, our newest guest. Yeah, Appreciate it and hope we will see you again, too.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: And to uh, all our viewers out there, thank you for listening of Episode 1 of Season 2, Keeping It Going, Keeping the Republic. And we will be on again next Sunday at 5.15 p.m. So please stay tuned. And then... uh Brian, do you have any more to say, you Um, said? No, um, I do think that this is, you know,
3: a great way for us to discuss, uh, you know, big topics, current issues. Um, I learn a lot every time that we...